The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Cody Bellinger is signed, but Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Matt Chapman, and more remain out there. Is it time to downgrade them? We talk about those guys and a whole lot more coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Greetings, everybody. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the good folks, folks at Fantrax.com. You'll be hearing more about them in a second. Uh, we are going to be talking a lot of draft stuff. We got ongoing TJFBI, Tout Wars, Draft and Hold League. Uh, I just broadcasted the uh, Tout Wars uh, different category league, alternate category league today. It was a good stuff, a good stuff on that. So I'm seeing a lot of draft boards lately. Uh, Fred, how are you? I'm great. Uh, yeah, like you said, we've got drafts going on all over the place. So it's it's not just theoretical anymore. It's actually happening. It's practical. People are really putting themselves out there now on not just who they, they say they're going to draft, but who they're actually drafting. And I like it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, what? we you know, those first two tests drafts are battle testing projections and I'm still tweaking them. Uh, you know, after I see something that remains like, oh, I'm too low on that guy, too high on that guy. We always talk mm-hmm. about that. Yep. It's it's still all the way through the last draft of the season. I'll be doing that. You know, it, you're, you're, you constantly put to the test on your assumptions, your projections. And, you know, we're in different draft pockets. Like I keep on drawing relatively early spots. If I draft something, if I draft towards the back end of the first round, I might have a whole different perspective, you know. Right now, I'm drafting in the fifth spot in T- uh, TGFBI. Uh, in Labor, I drafted third. In Scarf, I drafted second. I had a, a I actually drew a number one in uh, NFBC 50. I have had one middle pick, and that was the Speakers draft. I think that was ninth uh, out of 15 in the first pitch Arizona Speakers draft, but haven't had anything back in the turn yet. So it's you, you can anticipate it, but until you do it, it's different. It feels different. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm not going to say anything that's revolutionary here, but the slow drafts to start your draft season, I find are so valuable. Yeah, I've picked mostly towards the first half, but it's just interesting. Like even in my Tout Wars draft today, like I made a couple picks and like thinking about like having that time window. And I tried not to use a massive amount of time, but just being able to take like when it's your turn on the clock, depending on what you're doing with work and things like that, being able to take half an hour and really break down three or four players who you have at the mm-hmm. top of your board and which one do I actually want and you go back and forth them it actually creates way more confusion I find sometimes oh, yeah. paralysis paralysis by analysis. by analysis yeah than if yeah. I was just on like a minute or a minute and a half clock but um 
it does like you do come out of it with certain players being like, oh, you know, maybe maybe I was a little too high on this person or or no, 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 I, I really do believe in this person. So a lot of the players, because I picked early uh, in my early drafts, I find a lot of the players, yeah, like who come around those turns. Um, and then, But then once you get past about round 10, it's not really about where you are anymore. It's more, you know, who do you have at the top of your board? But yeah, no, I'm finding I, I'm making a lot of little tweaks on my uh on my rankings, which by the way are now available at the Yahoo site. So I did see the push on that over the yeah. weekend. I, I get every time Yahoo Fantasy posts an article, I get a push on my phone. So you're very you you're go. very famous on my phone. Oh, okay. uh, so <laughs> you got that going for you. Uh, I'm sure it's a big feather in your cap, really. Uh but let's talk let's talk about uh the free agents that are out there. Cody Bellinger signed really late on Saturday night. I luckily was up late Saturday night. So it's good can you know react to that, talk about it on the Sunday show. Uh your reaction to him rejoining the Cubs? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, yeah, solid place to hit. I think more it's just like a place where he was comfortable last year. Yeah. And and Cody Bellinger is just someone. So he went late in our labor draft. I think Derek Van Riper got him in round six. Um, when I picked in round five, I took Grayson Rodriguez. And mm-hmm. I took on the four or five turn, I took Camilo Duvall and Grayson Rodriguez. At that time, Bellinger was the highest ranked guy on my list. And I didn't take him because he was unsigned. And certain players I would probably take even if they were unsigned. Bellinger, just because he's been so up and down the last few years, I was not prepared to take him on the 4-5 turn if he was going to sit out until, you know, March 10th, March 15th before he signed. Like, I just, I didn't like the idea of someone who had been all over the map the last few years having, like, an abbreviated amount of time to get ready for the season. So... Anyway, so I passed on him, and so did a lot of other people. I think he'll go back into round five now. I could even see oh, him easily. going in round four. Like I could even see him going in in round four now because I. It's not that the landing spot's that amazing. Like the Cubs have a solid lineup, and it's good. It's good enough park to hit in. Like, it, um, it's not like he joined you know the Braves or something. But uh, I think just having him signed, and I know he wasn't signed on the first day of spring training, but I think right. this is plenty of time. Like it's a month. Um, for him to get ready. Like he's, he's one of the more volatile assets already. And I didn't like the idea of taking him unsigned compared to the other unsigned players. I didn't like taking him uh, unsigned for sure. And, you know, cause it, it really is about, okay, where is he going to be? Cause mm-hmm. his performance has varied so much. He is still sitting available in uh, the, uh, in my TGFBI league or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we are still, we are at a snail's pace. We are still in the fourth round. There, there are. I think there's an, one or two leagues that are on our page, but for the most part, we're mm-hmm. we're well behind the pack. Um, it it happens. It's it's gotten better th- uh, in this afternoon, but uh, or this evening, I should say. Uh, but I did just take uh, Royce Lewis uh, in the fourth round. At, uh, in, on the so we're almost done with the fourth round. So I got that. But Bellinger's still out there. He'll be uh, among the options I'll be looking at here in in round five. That's pick sixty. That's pick 65. I, I will consider it there. Yeah, I think that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, uh, I think he'll still run. I know he's not in a contract year now, but I think he'll still steal, steal some bases. I don't know if he'll steal as many mm-hmm. as he stole last year, but I think he'll still steal, still steal some uh, for sure, like double digits, 15, something like that. I think he'll do that. So, yeah, I don't know if he'll make it back to you now that he's signed. I think he'll it'll be right around that. I think that will become his landing spot is like four or five turn, uh, round four seems to be, and it is in your league as well, um, like a heavy pitcher round. Yep. So 
I, and I don't think that's going to change. Oh, I guess the only way that'll change will be if in late March, if in main event season, those pitchers start going around three, yeah. that'll be the only way. But if they go in round three, then all the Adelise Garcia's Randy Rosarena's, then they'll start going around four. Either way. I think Bellinger's going to settle in that four or five turn vicinity. It is really interesting to kind of watch different drafts. Like I, I broadcasted the alternate categories league where we use innings pitch instead of wins solds, which is saves and yeah. holds instead of saves. And it's OBP instead of batting average. Starting pitching, the starting and pitching inflation in there was pretty high. Uh, we saw seven, uh, we saw five pitchers draft in the second round, uh, which you don't really see in most of these leagues. You see a lot, we saw a lot more in the third and fourth rounds. Uh, I, I feel like labor actually had more pitchers taken in the fourth round than this draft, too, in the in the in my TGFBI league. It's kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll talk more about that league in a second here. But uh, you raised another question in the outline. I think it's really important to bring up here. Is it time to downgrade Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman, J.D. Martinez, any other remaining free agents out there? Yeah, I think I think the pitchers, like it's time to start looking at how many innings you have them pitching this year because like, I, like I'm sure they're throwing and I'm sure they're ready and they'll hit the ground running when they sign and whatever. But if they don't sign soon, I could totally see the teams that sign them saying that they're not going to be ready to make their initial starts of the season, that they're going to mm -hmm. have to leave them behind. Maybe they miss a couple starts. So, so for example, back in the winter, I projected Blake Snell at a, maybe even a little optimistic 165 innings. Um, and I think I had Jordan Montgomery about the same, like, it, it might make sense for me to downgrade them now to even just 155, like take off a couple starts. But when you do that, and as you know from playing with SGPs, when you do that and then you take away maybe 10 or in Blake Snell's case, maybe 15 strikeouts, um, maybe you take off a win. Like that's going to, that would push Blake Snell down behind a hole into a whole other tier of pitchers. It would. Um, yeah, Montgomery too. I actually, I passed on Montgomery in my Tout Wars draft just yesterday for Chris Bassett. And I'm not in love with Chris Bassett, but he signed and, yeah. and he's, you know, he's in, he's in spring training. And if Montgomery had signed, I would have taken Montgomery. And I thought about being that jerk who lets the eight hour clock go down. And I did not do that at all. I You're a good man. An hour. Um, the Montgomery rumors too, that are the strongest right now is the Red Sox. And I don't love the Red Sox that like I don't love Fenway for a left-handed starter right right and then the Red Sox are like I do think their offense is decent but I don't think their team's not awesome I don't I don't love that landing spot for them like so that kind of scared me off but like I said if he had signed I would have taken him over Bassett I, think I like Montgomery yeah I do too yeah. um part of me is like I'm okay with him ramping up a little slowly because he threw so many innings including the uh including the playoffs last year that I kind of worry a little bit about him being worked a little too hard. So if he scales back a little bit this year, that's fine for performance, but it means you, you need the innings, you know, the team that, you know, I think it's fine for the, whatever team signs him, but you know, you need the innings. That's, that's the tricky part. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, it'll be fine for him. It's just, yeah, it's just, you're going to have to, if you have to go without him for the first two weeks or something, uh, like that hurts. And I, I know it's like, well, it's the beginning of the year. Most of my team's healthy. Like I can cover it and whatever. Yeah, you can totally cover it. But when you look at where Blake Snell goes in drafts, like it just, like I said, it's just a reason to move him down a tier. Um, I'm just looking at some of the pitchers that like he kind of goes around and like, whether it's a Logan Gilbert or someone like that, like it's just maybe a reason to just take one of them ahead of him. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm I got. I should have my. I should have pulled up ADP before we started this. My bad on that. But um, you know, looking. You know, 
I'm going to pull that up. We'll figure out exactly where he's been going lately. Um, I'll do the, like the last three weeks. I always kind of like, that's a pretty good time frame there. Uh, Jordan Montgomery in the NFBC has, uh, has been going around pick 162. So it's, you know, right at the 11th round, that's in a 15 teamer. That's uh that's a decent enough discount there. I think, uh, I mean, other pitchers going, starting pitchers going in that range, Shane Bieber, uh, Jose Barrios and Mitch Keller behind him. It's actually kind of a, a an odd pocket. There's not a ton mm-hmm. of starters in that. Gavin spot. Williams, yeah, Pavetta, yeah. When you're right, once you get down to those guys, like it would probably be enough for me to take like Barrios ahead of him. Um, yeah, me like too. I said I took Bassett ahead of him, who actually goes ahead of him in NFBC ADP, but um, but was available in my draft. I might still take. Uh, Bieber and him would be close. Moreover, I guess I just wouldn't take him. And then with right. Snell, when I look at him, like I just quickly searched since February 10th, so basically the last three weeks. And yeah, he was picked 70. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez right behind him. Logan Gilbert's right behind him. Bobby Miller's right behind him. Uh, Yuri Perez is like a full round behind him. Like I think to me, I think I might take those guys. I would take them ahead of like Snell now. Zach Eflin is a round behind. Is is a is a full round behind him. I, I think I'd take Eflin now. Um, especially where Snell is, because that's like your ace or your number two. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I know Jordan Montgomery's probably your number three, so maybe it's not that big of a difference. But I don't know. I definitely don't want to pitch without my my ace or my number two at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, I I pulled up uh, your draft board. Uh, if those of us that are those of you that are streaming live with us, uh, you can follow along. He Fred is team two in this one here, uh, and you started off with Juan Soto. You have Kevin Gossman, you have Grayson Rodriguez, you have some, and then you have Bassett in the 10th. So you went with uh, five pitchers in your first 10 picks, including two relievers. I know we're going to get to that later as well, but uh, let's, let's just start off on the, that right there. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. You did pass on Bassett at, at about that range where he goes. And then Montgomery, where did, where did he ultimately end up going? Uh, he went, I think in the next round, like he didn't make it back to me. So um, I took Bassett on that 10 11 turn with Zach Geloff, but I was yeah. only going to take He went in the 12th time. round. He almost went two. There you go. Actually, you're right. He almost did make it back to me. You're right. 12 actually. 11. Yeah. You know what? Our draft hasn't moved fast in the last couple of days. So it feels like he didn't make it close to me because after he was picked, I still waited a really long time before I picked. But yep. he did actually go, uh, he did go three picks before me. He almost made it back to me in round 12, which makes sense. It's about a one round discount from his NFBC ADP. Yep. Because right. we're getting into spring training and he's still unsigned. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That, uh, you can see maybe Carlos Rodon went ahead of him, just ahead of him, right? Mm-hmm. Shane Bieber did, uh, Christian Javier. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. Bryce Miller, Hunter Brown. I don't know if I do Bryce Miller, Hunter Brown still. Right. Like I said, though, I, I like Montgomery. So he's someone who I would probably have a lot of shares of if he was signed. Yeah. Meanwhile, JD Martinez and uh, is he's already kind of discounted already because he's a UT only, you know, uh, you know, he's DH only uh, and unsigned that those are it's harder for them him to find a job actually because of that. Uh, but he's on average in the last three weeks, he's at pick 242. Uh, Matt Chapman's even later than that. Uh, and I, I understand why Matt Chapman is. I mean, he hasn't had a good year in the last three years. Uh, you know, he's had. Yep little pockets where you know he's had he's been like the batted ball champion for a while and like for but not even for full seasons i just don't think he's been, ever been the same since his hip injury yeah that's how i feel too and you know in our labor draft ryan bloomfield who's like really good at fantasy baseball took him in round 18 i think round 18 is fine um mm-hmm. but i've been 
kind of just after watching Chapman here in Toronto, like I just don't know if physically he has what he needs to be a good hitter anymore. Um, yeah. With him unsigned was just, I didn't have him ranked that high anyways. He's become like a bit of a bad batting average, average albatross. And I just feel like I don't really want to take those players, especially if they're not really good. So like he did, I guess he hit 240 last year. Maybe I'm being too hard on him, but that was his highest average in the last four years. So yeah. even 240, like the year before it was 229, 210 the year before that. I mean, maybe he gets to a team with a really, you know, hitter friendly park and, and that helps him. But, and then actually Ryan took, Ryan is also the guy who took JD Martinez and he went so late. He went after pick 300, like round 21 in our labor draft. And I remember having him at the top of my list and the combination of UT only, and then him not being signed. And he's a trickier one because right, like he needs to be a DH. So how many teams, I, I feel like he's going to get signed, but like how many, you start looking around out there, like how many teams out there want a DH? Like, like teams like the Pirates aren't going to sign him. So, no. so how many teams out there who are competitive and are going to pay him, even on a one-year deal, like want a DH? I do think he'll find a team. I know the Mets keep getting rumored. I think that one would make a lot of sense. I just don't know if the Mets are willing to spend any oh. more money or not. Well, every, they, the Mets pay 110% tax on any right. signing they, they, any player they sign. Yep. Uh, because he's, because they're paying the, like the, like the repeater luxury tax. It, it serves as a salary cap, de facto salary cap in a way, yep. not necessarily for the Mets and Steve Cohen, but a little bit. I mean, you saw how they sold off instead of trying to just rebuild on the fly. I mean, I, I, I should say instead of like retooling, I mean, they're kind of like cooling their heels this season, uh, but they're still going to be paying the luxury tax regardless. Yeah. They have so much. So why, yeah. So why sign him and pay that tax on it? If they, now you and I talked recently about how they're on paper, their roster actually like on the projection systems is ranked as like a competitive roster. Yeah. Just speaking of the playoffs. So, um, I mean, they just lost Kodai Senga. That may not, I don't know how that play, if they was be like, Oh, forget it. We already weren't that in on this season that makes it even less in, or does that make them maybe a little more in where maybe they would look at Martinez or Jordan Montgomery or something and then recover from that injury. But anyways, I think Ryan taking him in round 21, he was the highest ranked guy on my list. So for example, in round 20, I took Alex Verdugo Martinez at the time was the highest ranked guy left on my list. But when I really looked at him, when it was coming down towards my pick and like, he's just not going to be in as advantageous of a situation this year as he was last year with the Dodgers. And right. Um, he, and he, and he's only utility. And I was like, forget it. I'll just take boring Alex Verdugo. I needed an outfielder and I know he's going to play. So I, I, I think Ryan's value on him was really good, but like, it's, uh, I it's something I could have considered doing on. too. Cause I ultimately have a UT only guy as well. in Joey Manessis and I got him yeah. around 24. Yeah. I'll tell you. I, you know, I had JD in a 12 teamer last year, and I think it's even in the, the smaller the league, the less likely I want to have the less I want to have them tying up my UT mm-hmm. just because I, I just want the flexibility. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I've got it backwards. Maybe it's the bigger the league. I don't want to do it because it's just injuries are going to happen. But uh, either way, it's just there, there's a real cost to tying up your utility spot. Yeah, for sure. There is in like, like you said, like in labor in a deeper league, I think tying it up, especially because it's leave with, with waivers and it's deeper. Like, I think that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you just want the hitting like yep. good hitting. You'll find a way to work around it. So anyways, I think we all could have taken him a couple rounds earlier and it would have made sense. When I just look at hitters that were taken, you know, in the rounds before him, 
Jose Siri, Pete Crow Armstrong, you know, MJ Melendez, who's no longer catcher eligible, Brent Rooker. Like you could like JD Martinez has upside over all of these guys. Of course. Um, of course. Like I said, though, when it was coming down towards me and I was kind of doing some searches and where do I think he could possibly sign? What makes sense? I just didn't like like the Astros, the Dodgers, these teams, the, the Yankees, these, none of these teams really made sense. So, so by the yeah. way, I switched over and now we're, we're showing that uh, labor draft here as well. Um, so we can kind of look at that a little bit, too, as we're talking. Um, so if you are streaming with us, that if you saw a switching grids, that's what happened there. Um, we're going to talk about uh, differing strategies and closers. But first, before we do that, we're going to share a note from our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring systems, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more. And it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Big thanks to Fantrax for sponsoring all of our draft season podcasts here. Um, let's uh, talk about uh, differing closer strategies. We'll use uh, the your, your our, our labor draft that we did together as a backdrop for that. And maybe uh, it'll shed some light on that. As you said uh, that you have a very differing philosophy on how to manage the closer pool than Scott and I do. Well, I maybe more you than Scott. I'm not sure. Like, like I was kind of listening to you guys while I was driving yesterday and mm-hmm. um, I felt like, so start, I'll start with this. This was my impression was that your plan is, is get, get one of the good ones and then kind of like fart around after that and see, see what you can get with for taking shots. That's exactly what I said. Fart around. Um, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I do intend to, I I would prefer to only spend one top 10 round pick on a closer. Yes. That okay. that's and then I'm hoping to find value later on. Um and whether it's 12 or 14 or 15 or 17, yes, that that that's how I would like to approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm about to do the pitching category targets article of finishing that up. I've I've done all like the initial number crunching now. You got to write it up and do some analysis actually. But um, I think if you, you look at like the correlation between the dominate saves and those who dominate the overall standings, it's not a strong correlation. There's a stronger correlation between ratios, ERA and whip, and there's a stronger correlation uh, with wins. There's a stronger correlation on the hitting categories, but for stolen bases, it's, it's one of the ones that you can do. You can get by with getting hitting the 50th, 60th percentile, uh, in that category and do fine in the overall standings or do fine in your league standings. Okay. Yeah. So there's two different things there. You were saying when you were talking about the overall standings, like I'm not, not in any overalls this year. So no, so that's not a fact. No, you're I, not even playing yogurt. No. You've never played yogurt. Have never you played yogurt? I'm, I'm not an old big overall guy. I really love just the old fashioned purity of okay. let's take 15 people and see who wins the league. And include and, trades, et cetera, et cetera. I get either that. or, either or. I don't mind like NFBC satellite leagues and and playing for some money that in that regard, like I don't mind that at all. But mm-hmm. I've always been a even when I played in the main event, like I find I still end up 
not really being that interested in the main event. Maybe that's because I've never been in the top 10 or something, but uh, not really being interested in the main event, just being interested in my league. Um, I don't know. I'm just old fashioned that way. I think I just like the old fashioned, like let's take a group of 12 or 15 and, and that league is all that matters, not the overall standings and, and all those things, just find a way to win that league. So, so I haven't, I don't think about the overall component, but I do think about the league component, obviously, and winning your league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually, my, my concept is more based on the closer pool this year, which I think is deeper than it's been it the is. last few years. I, I, ca- I counted 17 mm-hmm. uh, closers that I all feel like pretty good about. Okay. Um, so it goes down to, if you look in our labor draft, um, I got Clay Holmes in round, seeing, I'm seeing him in round nine. And then in, in this draft, in round 10, we got into Kenley Jansen and Adbert Alzelay. Now I'm starting, now you're starting to lose me at that point. Like, uh, yeah. I, I'm still a little there, but I think if I went to them, I think I might be closer to, that might be even 19 guys. And then it drops off. Then there's this massive, people have talked about this. There's this, you and Scott talked about it. There's this massive gap. Like in our draft, those guys went in round 10 and I don't see another closer till Robert Stevenson in round 13. And then Alex Lang in round 14, Jose Leclerc in round 14. So there's a big, so from round 10 to round 13, there's no, there aren't any closers in that draft. In my Towers draft, the closers hung around a lot longer, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting for a draft and hold because you're not going to be able to find saves on the waiver wire. Um, but the big run in this league, I, it's almost like we all silently agreed to not get crazy about closers because the big run was in rounds eight and nine um, in, the, in that league. And I think in round, and I, I tweeted about it because I just thought people would find it interesting that we went uh, Bednar and Fairbanks, then a little bit of a break, a few picks, and then yep. Munoz, one pick break, and then here we go, Romano, Kimbrell, Seawald, Housley, Scott, Phillips, Clay Holmes, one pick break, Alzelay, one pick break, Lang, two picks break, Jansen, and then there and there goes, you know. And I don't feel comfortable at all about Jansen, and I no. I, I don't feel comfortable about Kimbrell either. Um, he's I'm not- a Kimbrell apologist, so he's kind okay. of one of my guys. Fair I enough. Just, I just really like with Kimbrell um, – if you go back and read the, so I understand that Kimbrel, like I understand the risks with Kimbrel. I just sure. like the Orioles are awesome. Like they're really one of the better teams in baseball. Uh, they should generate plenty of save chances. Their park is a good park to pitch in. And when they signed him and I, and I can go back obviously now and still and read the articles. Like when they signed him, they were very clear. Like we're signing our closer. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like he's a high leverage guy. Right. Right. Mix and match. We could, it was like Craig Kimbrell has a million career saves. He's what he's, he's the most experienced closer in baseball. Like th- this guy is our closer. We've got a closer for one year. while Felix Batista heals from his injury. That's what this guy's here to do. Save games for the one year. If, if he could just do what he did last year, 326 ERA, 104 whip. Um, I think he'll get a ton of saves. In Baltimore, he'll yeah, because Baltimore is going to be good, right? He'll blow the odd save, and he also strikes yeah. a lot of batters out. He got ninety-four strikeouts last year. Yeah, um, you know, the year before he only seventy-two, but the year before that he got a hundred strikeouts and a two twenty-six ERA and a point nine one WHIP uh, in twenty twenty-one. So, like twenty twenty-two with the Dodgers was like, oh, just okay. Uh, Three seventy-five ERA, one thirty-two WHIP, not not great, not horrible, but not great. Um, I think if he's just kind of like like a low to mid three ZRA, I think he'll just hold the job and blow a few saves, but end up with 30-something saves. You know, I, I see the case for that. And Yenier Cano exists, but he actually struggled a little bit when he took over after Bautista yep. got hurt. Um, 
I just have a built-in bias against Kimbrell. I think I've seen him lose the job too many times. I, I've seen him when he loses, and it's whenever he loses command of the strike zone and teams just take walks against him. He's he's one of those guys that I think if you just roster him, don't watch him pitch and accept the results, you're fine. But the second you start watching him pitch, you're just and, like, ah, this is this is misery because that he'll, may be my plan. He yeah. he he walks the the tightrope act. You know he. He, he'll walk two guys on and then get out of it. You know, he still has a low whip because nobody can hit that Frisbee. He just, yep. you know, it's just, he can't control it sometimes. Maybe the park in Baltimore helps him escape. So it was like sure. he 10 home runs last year, which is when unusual, it's a career high. Um, you know, it, but he's pitching for Philly. Um, maybe the park in Baltimore helps him a little bit with that. I don't know. I mean, he was five home, five road home runs last year, but uh, mm -hmm. one of the underrated things about Kimbrell too, and maybe this will be the kiss of death and I'm jinxing him right now, but he hasn't yeah. been on the IL since 2019. So yeah. in the world of pitching, like when I was comparing him to like Pete Fairbanks, Ryan Helsley, et cetera, like, like I feel like the odds of those guys going on the IL this year is really high. They go on the IL every year. Yeah. So Kimbrell hasn't gone on the IL in, in the last four years. So do you feel like you differ from us because you want two, two closers on the, of those 17? Okay. Yeah. So getting back to, yeah, where we started with this. So I don't want any of the first few closers, even though I took one in labor. So I regretted that. That was kind of my first draft of the year. And, and I like, we came up to the turn and I actually, it was part of uh, Bellinger being unsigned. I didn't really like the hitters on the turn. Mm -hmm. And then I had three hitters already. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take pitching on the turn, but then I didn't totally love the starters on the turn. And then I took Grayson Rodriguez on the turn, but which I'm fine with, but I didn't really love the other guys. Like Eflin went on the turn, which I think is fine. Like, I think he's good, but I don't know. It just felt aggressive for round four. Logan Gilbert and Framber Valdez went right after him in round four. So I, I didn't love the idea of taking two of them. So I took Camilo Duvall and, and I, that was mm -hmm. kind of when I, the draft was done. I was like, oh, I wish I had just waited five rounds and taken Clay Holmes or waited four rounds and, taking clay homes or something like that someone like that or sure um anyway so what i would like to do i think in an ideal world is let about 10 closers come off the board then double tap them and then i'm done you know right. and i'm still gonna obviously mine for saves and stuff later so in in tow wars what i did is i took him i took munaz and i took kimbrel in rounds eight and nine it doesn't the rounds don't really matter as much because it just depends when your league decides to run that's right that's closers. right but i think this year i don't feel that much better about emmanuel class a or or jordan romano or these ones who go earlier than i do about the guys who go later so i think i'd rather like i get that devin williams is good and edwin diaz could be really good if he's fine he didn't pitch last year. So that's a big deal. Yeah. So I get that Josh Hader is, is good. Um, I wonder sometimes if the Astros will just throw a few saves. Ryan Presley's way to kind of be nice about the fact he's on their team and give him half a dozen saves. Like still, you know, I think Hader still gets 30, but maybe he doesn't get 40. Um, I love you on Duran. I think he may be the best reliever in baseball, but the, Rocco, like the twins kind of mix and match sometimes a little bit. That's true. Uh, less so like last TV. year than the year before, but yeah, yeah Rocco Beldo. I mean, he's, he's on, he's from yeah. the Kevin cash tree. I mean, so maybe, maybe that gets Duran 32 saves instead of 38 or something yeah. like that. I still think he's awesome. He's, I have him ranked, I think as maybe my second highest reliever. I think he's great, but I think I'd rather leave all of those guys mm -hmm. and pick other players in that range and then wait till we get to the, Seawald, Iglesias, Kimbrell, Helsley, Tanner Scott, all of them. I just take two. Evan Phillips. I'm getting more comfortable with Evan Phillips. I haven't taken him yet, but I'm 
feeling better about that as time. Well, the news on him has been good where yeah. he, you know, Roberts even yeah. affirmatively said he's going to be the primary guy. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they just haven't signed any of those, you know, all they dot, they dodged the hater bullet. He dodged the hater mm-hmm. bullet for instance. Yep. There. Yep. After I took Kimbrell, the one who went after of several closures, obviously went right after him. Phillips is the one who I was probably the most like, Oh, I wish I, maybe I wish I had just taken the better pitcher and yeah. taking Phillips and get a few less saves and maybe, or maybe I don't, maybe I get just as many or more saves. I kind of wish that I'd taken Phillips, but anyways, overall, my plan is I think I wait, I take two out of that group and then, and then I'm not messing around with Alex Lang and Robert. That Stevens feels like a shot. All those. Oh wait, you did take him. <laughs> well, you took him around uh, 14, which I think it's appropriate, but, yeah. um, but I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather stay out of that and go up a few more rounds and just take Clay home. So for example, you could have taken Clay Holmes instead of Anthony Volpe. Um, I think maybe I would rather do that. And then instead of where you took Alex Lang, when you took Alex Lang, um, you took Yoshida right after that. Edward Julian. I'm not a big Edward Julian I could, guy. I don't know. I yeah. like Julian enough. Um, he doesn't hit lefties, so I'm a little. He doesn't. He doesn't had much of a. Ch- he hasn't had much of a chance to either. Which no. I mean, it's kind of like chicken and egg sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, the fact is they even platooned him in the minors a little bit, which is kind of, yeah. it's disturbing a little bit. I think I'd rather just, yeah, I, I think Volpe is a really exciting player that you took, but I think I might just rather take Clay Holmes and then instead of Lang, I just take some hitter, whatever. Brandon, I took James Outman one pick ahead of that. Uh, Brandon Nimmo went a few picks ahead of that. Tyler O'Neill a few picks ahead of that. Like I think All those were unfortunate picks, by the way, because at that point in the draft, I had one outfielder. And so I was looking right. to kind of get outfielders. But yep. I, and I wanted Nimmo, I wanted O'Neill, I wanted Outman, I wanted Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward. I think I'd rather just live in that group. Um, Stephen Kwan went right after you took. Lang. I don't care about Stephen Kwan. That's fine. Not feeling him. Well, you need so much power. Uh, yep. And the thing is, Kwan, you know, regressed a little bit in that last year. Uh, he, I think he had, he five had homers. five. The, the Indians projected starting Indians, the guardians projected starting outfielder outfield has like 11 combined homers last year. Quan, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, it's not, I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's actual fact. It's uh Brennan Quan and, um, Oh God. Uh, who's the center fielder, uh, just uh, miles straw. straw. Talking, yeah, I'm grasping at straws about, there. Sorry. They're talking about Florial maybe being ahead of him as being the center fielder Esteban Florial, but either way, he's still my beating not- heart. Either way, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad that too bad JD Martinez can't play the outfield. He'd be a great fit for that team. Yeah. Uh question about seeing the the draft grid here. Uh at where's Jordan? He's on team 15. Sorry, I didn't, you know, trying to squeeze it all in there on one. So I can either show the round or I can show team 15, which is Paul Spore. So screw Paul. No, just kidding. I like Paul a lot. He's a good human being. Um, so he he's at 115 in this draft here. So that uh, answering the question there, Nico, uh, as far as that goes. Um yeah, fair. I mean, I and I don't think you're, you know, you might not. It's not a bad way to go about doing it. I mean, there's so many different ways to kind of piece together your draft. And do you feel comfortable, you know, going surf, you know, going, you know, dumpster diving for saves? Do you feel comfortable only having like, you know, eight points in saves? Well, if you do or, or less, even mm-hmm. if you do, then that's fine, especially in a standalone league and an overall contest. Maybe it's a little bit different, but I, I just feel like I, committed too many resources to relief pitchers last year and not enough to starting pitchers. So that's one yep. thing I wanted to try to correct this year. 
Yeah, I can see that. And that's where I'm trying to manage it. And that's why I didn't like my Duvall pick. Like I'm trying to manage the resources I want to. So that's why I'm going to stay out of the first eight or 10 to go off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to, I don't want to have to spend the pick on Devin Williams and, you know, spend another pick on Alexis Diaz. Like, I think that feels like too much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm trying to just let the first few go off the board. Sure. And the strategy I have with closers is actually the same. Stra- it's weird. Some of my strategies with the way the rules are evolving in baseball, um, I feel like our strategies I used 10 years ago or 12 years ago, or maybe even 15 years ago. Like, I feel like this closer strategy was one that I used 10 or 15 years ago when there were more reliable closers and more teams just put their best pitcher in the, that's yeah. the other thing about these pitchers. It's not just teams having closers. It's that a lot of these pitchers are the best reliever on their team. So it's not, it's not just that the teams are settling on a guy. It's, so they're not doing bullpen by committee. They're actually picking the guy who we would pick like Yuan Duran, like they're, they're, they're for all this high leverage. Oh, well maybe, maybe we'll use them in the seventh. Sometimes like we're seeing more getting back to not, not like totally like it used to be, but we're seeing more where teams are are actually using their best reliever in yeah. the ninth inning. And, and some of the teams I said, like that there's maybe if you wanted to count Kenley Jansen and Adbert Alzelay, Alzelay is a good pitcher. He just has some injury concerns, but then there's close to 20. Well, the remaining teams, some of those teams are not going to like the Rockies are not going to get us a viable reliever. Almost. I mean, it's almost certainly they're not. Yeah. I feel like they're not going to get us. It, that was a question that was brought up in the chat. Let's see if I can uh, track that down. Uh, but the question, you know, asking about, Oh, here we go. Uh, he goes, how do you guys, Chad, uh, Chad TTV says, uh, how do you guys feel about the Rockies closer, whomever that ends up being? Is it worth a shot taking on one of them in a non-draft and hold since they are going undrafted to avoid the fab cost? My answer is always no. Um, I do not. They're, they're, they're on my don't fly list. I just, I, I don't even bother. I don't even, it's because it's just, there's, there's too much damage. They, there are years that it's cost me like Daniel Bard two years ago was great. I mean, he was a fab pickup for everyone though, but he was great. There's been other years, but there's been so many years where even if they get the saves, they crush your ratios. It's just not worth it to mm-hmm. me. I just, I've been, I've, I firmly avoid them. It's ever since the Houston street era. That's about the last time I can remember actually being like, sure, I'll take up the Rockies closer. But back then the Rockies were pretty good and Houston street was kind of an established closer. So, and that was a long time ago. So yeah, I'm kind of out They're One of the only teams though, that I'm out on, like, 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 I don't mind, again, it's not my plan, but if someone wants to spend later picks on Finnegan or Harvey or the Texas guys, or, you know, like even, even the, even the Royals, even Will Smith, like I can, I can get, I can get behind it late enough in a draft. The Rockies are the one team where I'm, I think I'm like completely out no matter what, even if the Rockies named a closer, I don't think I would draft them. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox, that would maybe be the other one where. Not the A's. You're all, you're all over Mason Miller. Um, no, I don't really want to get in. The A's would be low for me, but the fact that Mason Miller is really talented <laughs> means that I, at some point I would take him. Uh, mm-hmm. I it won't be my plan this year, and I'll probably have no shares. But like Mason Miller, it's it's worth the possibility at least. Like there's a chance that Mason Miller's like for one year, a good closer, and then they move him back into the rotation. So, but there's another team like they, if they don't really, if they don't end up really settling on Mason Miller, we may not really get a useful reliever from the, from the A's. I mentioned the right. Royals just a minute ago. Like, we'll see what happens with Will I Smith. still like MacArthur there. I, I, yeah, even though I, I, I still brought think in Will two Smith relievers the, now. Yeah. I think Will Smith gets the first ones maybe, and we'll just see, yeah. and then they just see where it goes. But, and then the white, sorry, the White Sox is the other one that's, 
I'd say for me, it's the Rockies are the worst, um, then the White Sox, then probably then the Royals or the, yeah. now they're all getting So you, for the, the uh, I think for the White Sox, I think Brevia begins the year as the closer, but probably doesn't finish it. It could be Perlander Baroa. It could be others. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he's fine, but they win 57 games, so it doesn't matter. Uh, that That's the thing I'm kind of like, you know, I, that that's where I'm at. But Baroa, I mean, has great stuff. Uncle Ted keeps on pumping him up every single one of our podcasts here. Thanks. I see you, Ted. Uh, but uh, at the same time, he, he's got command issues and he's just on a bad team. I think that's yeah. the other thing. I think so many times we think, oh, this guy should be the closer. We want to will it to happen and it just doesn't happen or it just or the team is so bad that it doesn't really matter. And that's why I, I probably avoid the White Sox too. And I avoid the A's and the Rockies, but then you're drafting from a 2017 pool. And yeah. so you, you better prioritize a little bit more there. Um, and so you just have to know, uh, okay, well, I've got fewer to choose from than others. That's right. And when you're drafting from a 27 or maybe even 25 team pool, and I just said that about 20 of them, almost 20 of them are going by the end of round 10, then you better figure like if you're not going to get in on that, then you better you better really like Jose Alvarado or Jose Leclerc or someone like that. They're better. You better have found one in that group. That I, you know, I like that like. you went with someone other than my precious Alex Lang. I appreciate Alex Lang. That. There's another one. You better you yeah. better find one of them who you really believe in. Or Kyle Finnegan. I don't totally hate Kyle Finnegan. I yes you do. I, I know Hunter Harvey's a better pitcher, mm-hmm. um, but I really broke down their you know save usage last year, and Harvey kind of stole the job in the first half of the season at one point. And then Finnegan came back and got almost all their saves in the second half. He's not a really good reliever, but he was their closer to finish the season. We'll see what they decide to do. I think, I think everybody knows Harvey's the better pitcher, but they, 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 I think Harvey got two saves in the second half and Finnegan got like 17. So like they they were pretty firmly on Finnegan at the end of the year. So I don't think I don't think Finnegan's a terrible pick where he goes. I just yeah. Anyways, I think my Harvey's the better here. pitcher though. There's Absolutely. no doubt about that. Absolutely, it just yeah. doesn't mean he'll get saves. He did, he was the better pitcher last year, and and the and the Nationals aren't going to make the playoffs. Or yeah, they're, close they're pretty. To it, so they're they're pretty crappy still. I think they're better like than last year. But on who yeah. they pick. Yeah, Finnegan was. I mean, Finnegan helped people out a lot because he cost you nothing. Uh, but he also, you know, he might not have rostered all of his saves because he got yeah, rocked. Might have like dropped him for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the Harvey got saves and then didn't and all that. So you may not have rostered all of Finnegan saves. That's the only problem about that. All right. That's enough saves talk. We'll, sure. We did that. Yeah. You that did way. that with Scott a couple of days ago. We do it all the time. And yeah, it's, it's sure. fascinating. And we, we'll sure. keep going to it. It's flypaper for us here. Yeah. Uh, we're on the Blue Wire Network. We're going to talk uh, some, sa- uh, talk about, uh, you know, uh, t- Stolen bases, blip, blip, spit it out, Jeff. Uh, but before we do that, quick moment for, uh, for our ads on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. Thank you for your patience there. Uh, for those of you streaming live or listening on wherever you get your podcasts, thank you. We appreciate Blue Wire for uh, hosting all of our uh, all of our podcasts here. All right. Let's. We talked. Uh, you you mentioned the the outline of you that I did a category targets article for hitting, and it's just eye opening how many stolen bases we needed to hit the 80th percentile, 187. Um, and you know, uh, last year, two years ago, the 20th percentile, uh, or last year's last year's 20th percentile would have been more than the 80th percentile the year before. That's how big of a jump it was. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I think Scott White. I saw him put out an article a few weeks ago that I think this was the last year was the most steals in baseball since 1987. Do I have that stat, right? I think it was something like that was the most steals since 1987. So that was the, that stat really caught my eye just because that's before I started playing fantasy and pretty much all of us started playing fantasy. So I was like, really like it was the most steals of my fantasy career. Like mm-hmm. it's the, and therefore the highest benchmark of what you needed. Like you said, I have your article up now, 187 yep. and then 70th percentile, 176. So therefore maybe the most steals you've needed um, of my fantasy career. So it's a huge difference. It's really changed the weighting that I've given steals this year. Like I've devalued them a lot. And then I've also noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed the same thing. Like we're, we're totally, which, and so, and I'm loving this, like we're past the era where you had to take Whit Merrifield in the third round. Because yeah. you just had to get your 30 steals early because we were all just trending towards 100 steals or 110 steals. So you're like, well, I got Whit Merrifield. I know he kind of sucks, but you know, <laughs> I got I got 30 steals and he'll hit 280. So that's something. That's and, another uh, guy you just uh, besmirched from my labor team, by the way. Just, uh, <laughs> that was after our pod, though. So I'll, uh, I'll, Well, I'll I'm sure you didn't have to use a third round pick. I think Maybe. I used a third round pick on Whit Merrifield in labor like two years ago. 
Yeah, I got him in the 18th ago. this time. Yep. Yeah, and it was, and it's obviously a lot has changed with Maryfield's role and everything else. But anyways, yeah. that was the that was the whole thing. It, it's actually, I find it so refreshing. Like I've been moving through the middle rounds, like well, like rounds like 11, 12, that area in in the Tower Wars draft, and just to be able to see guys on my list who I project to get twenty and twenty five steals in yeah. round 10 or 11. And they're not even just steel guys. Zach Geloff, I took, I took Lane Thomas. Um, I thought about taking, I was close to taking Chaz McCormick and, um, and TJ Friedel. I think I took Friedel in our, in our labor draft, like to see these guys in the middle rounds who can get you 20 something steals and can hit 15 or 20 home runs. And, you know, they, they don't hit 230 either. It's just refreshing to not have to chase steals like at all times in these ridiculous ways. And one of the things like, I think I've said this on the podcast many times. Like I don't love it when fantasy sports like massively deviate from the real game. And I never enjoyed how we were like artificially valuing. We still probably care too much about steals compared to what real teams care about them. And we probably care in fantasy too much about them. But now seeing these guys, like it's not like you have to take these not very good players just because they steal bases in Mm -hmm. the early rounds. I like, I find it way better. We're back to a little more gauging players by how good they truly are. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, absolutely. And, and to that point, like I want to, so I, I still want to get steals early. It's just yep. so I don't have to get the the estuary Ruizes of the world. I just, I don't want the guys that aren't that very good at hitting, but they can run like the wind. Um, I, I don't want Billy Hamilton. I don't want Malik Smith because those guys can just lose their job. They can get, they can be out of baseball quickly sometimes, you know, it's just that that's, it's that extreme. So I want to get guys that can hit. Yes. But what's interesting when you look at this year's player pool is there aren't really, there's Ruiz for sure, but there aren't many Ruizes. So when you look at last year's steals leaders, like the Ruiz sticks out for sure. It's a bad hitter who, mm-hmm. you know, who had a good steal season, but Acuna is obviously awesome. Corbin Carroll was third. Bobby Witt was fourth. Like these are, these are like some of the best young players in baseball. CJ Abrams is way up there. Um, yep. he, he's a little bit of an, of an old fashioned, like, you know, like he's just there for the steals a little bit. Oh, they hit 18 home runs last year. So. Yeah. If he has 18 homers and with those steals, that's a huge win. Yep. And yep. you, you still see it in the reflected in the draft price. Uh, I'm yep. in, I'm in a uh, TGFBI right now. And he goes in the fourth round. A guy like that used to go in the second round. Because yep, of how many sure. stolen bases he had, yeah. because and, then, and he's not a zero in power. That's right. And then and then when I look at the other hitters, like Nico Horner was six in steals. Nico Horner is not a power hitter, but he always hits like two eighty, like two. Yeah. Like he's a good and he hits high in the lineup now for the Cubs. He scored ninety eight runs last year. Like it's a good overall fantasy player. A little light in power, but Hossie and Kim was one of last year's breakout players. He's up there. Julio Rodriguez, Ellie De La Cruz. Like there's lots of players who are among the steals leaders. And then after that, there's just this massive pile of players who all got 25 to 30 steals. And there's lots of good players in that list. So I love how you can attack steals now throughout your draft in labor. I was very like, because I started with Corbin Carroll, like I'm kind of all or nothing on some, and I almost drafted Nico Horner. He didn't, I didn't end up doing that, but he was kind of in my, my playbook is a possibility. I didn't like the idea of starting of having two of them in the first five rounds, like two guys who are right big time base dealers, but because I felt like it would limit my options later where I wouldn't be able to take, I wouldn't be able to value steals as much. Um, yeah, but, but look what you it, did the 10th and 11th and, and the 14th. You've got Chaz McCormick, TJ Friedel, and James Outman. All of those guys can run. 
yeah, the all, like all, yeah, 15, 20 steel guys. And then, yeah. and then my, I like actually the way I built my tout war steels better where I okay. don't have a Corbin Carroll, but I ju- I've just chipped away the whole time. Like I've got Jose Altuve. I'll get me 15 steals, you know, even one Soto in a contract year probably gets you 10. Um, you know, Paul Goldschmidt will get you 10 from first base or something like it. Hossier right. Kim will get you 30 something like just, just chip, chip, chip away all the way. I've Lane Thomas. Zach Geloff, there's maybe 40 steals between those two players. So um, Lars Newbar got 11 last year. I just took him in round 13. Like, yeah, I, I don't mind that plan where you just chip away. But either way, you like you said, now you have to get to about 170 or 180. And I think maybe this year you're going to have to get higher. It's just that, like, we're not projecting for it. I think this year you may have to get 200 to get. I think steals are going to go up a little bit more. Um, but when they go up a little bit more, like it's not like we're all going to be left behind. It's just going to mean that a few of these guys, maybe instead of getting Zach Geloff getting the twenty-four or something, I haven't projected for, he gets thirty, and you know a few other guys do the same kind of thing. They just run a little bit more than we thought. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be like someone gets ninety or something like that, unless it's Ruiz. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I wonder though, are teams going to adjust? You know, are they going to find? better ways to hold the runner on are they going to throw more like pickoffs from the catcher you know are they is the catcher going to throw down to first more often i think they already are a little bit i i got to find the data on that there um but or are they going to do the crunch the data and say eh you know what stolen bases aren't really hurting us that much it's everything else Mm -hmm. that's yeah you know um that that's that's the one thing I'm, i'm curious to see teams reactions there about that um the other thing is someday and it's probably coming soon. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that, we're going to get robot umpires for strike zone. And you're already seeing it in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And that means you're going to spend less time pitch framing and more time trying to maybe, you know, getting release times quicker. Yeah, for sure. It may change actually what you look for in a catcher, what teams, right. Look for in a catcher. If you ever get robot umpires, it'll change. Like you won't, like you won't care about that when you're assessing yep. the skills of your catcher. It'll be more about some of those other things like release time and arm strength and things like that. But for now, I believe the minor league data suggested that it takes two years, like for the steals to go up, like they go up a lot the first year and then they go mm-hmm. up like another little bit the second year. So I, I think we could, I think, and I think we could see that. I also looked at a lot of the base stealers. If you break them down by halves, a lot of them ran more in the second half, not a lot yep. more, but a little bit more in the second half, as I was looking at a lot of base dealers and, you know, Oh, oh, how were his steals distributed? You know, did he just run a lot one month or does he like, I like to look at that when I'm ranking and, or when I'm projecting players, like, was there some mm-hmm. outlier who are the consistent producer? Um, a lot of them stole bases just a little more in the second half, like just maybe at a 15% more or something like that. But that'll add up if that were to continue. It would, it would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. let's move on to some news and notes. Uh, starting off Joe Musgrove, our, Putative opening early opening day starter in Korea for the Padres has had two spring starts and hasn't got out of the first inning in either of them. How worried are you? Uh, I'd say I'm not. Um, I will. I guess I'm worried enough that I'm, I don't have any shares yet. I'm worried enough that I'm going to monitor his next start and most pitchers as good as Joe Musgrove. I'm not really paying attention to their next spring start, but I guess I'm, I'm worried enough that I will pay attention. He should be starting somewhere around the weekend. I will be, I will, I will just make a note of how that start goes. Are you more worried than I am? I'm worried because of how he finished the year last year. He, he, he was hurt at the end of the year last year. You know, he was kind of hurt all season long. It's just, it was kind of a lost year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, the team context isn't great. You know, they, they trade away soda. They lost a bunch of free agents. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, you're, you're I, right. Shoulder injury in the second half and then comes out in the spring and stinks. Maybe I should be a little more worried. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am a little worried. I don't have them yet anywhere. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's early. I have a lot of drafts. I'm doing the beat Jeff Erickson draft, which is a 12 teamer on Monday. I got to uh, set the time for that. And then it will post it and get people to sign up for that. But just a heads up that that's coming, but maybe I'll, I'll, t- I'll have them in some leagues, but honestly, where he goes, I, I, I've, I've been comfortable like saying, okay, you know, give me Cole Reagans over Musgrove every time. Okay. Give me Justin Steele over Joe Musgrove every time. Uh, okay. So I have him projected ahead of both of those players, but maybe I'm giving him too many innings. I don't know. The thing give about me Tanner Bybee over him too, by the way. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the thing about Joe Musgrove is like in the last few years, like when he pitches, he always has pitched well. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter, I guess, of whether he's healthy or not. Like it's not like he's had any years recently where he's been, been a, a, like a pitch, been pitching, but ineffective. Yeah. Um, they say everything's fine with him. So I think I'm just giving him a free pass. In my Tout Wars draft, he went 7.4, which is like a little bit later, but not much, but a little bit later. And yeah. that was after the first start. I know. I remember when he went, that was after he had had the really bad first start. He did go after Cole Reagans. Um, he did go before Justin Steele. Um, I didn't take him. I, took, I picked a couple of picks before that and just didn't take a pitcher. And I remember looking at him and I it, it did pop in my head like, how poorly he had pitched the first time out. And then, yeah, I don't know. I could see him falling a little bit and he, I don't know one good start and probably he'll be right back where he was. He was. I felt like he was more like a sixth round pick. Yeah. That's, I, that's where people were valuing him. I'm trying to, I'm, I, I'm, Oh, he, he went in the sixth round in, uh, in labor. I think, well, he, I think that's where he is in most drafts. Like that's his ADP the last few weeks. Yeah. I, I, he went ahead of Yuri Perez. He went yeah. ahead of, uh, you took Jesus Lazardo. Uh, he went ahead of a bunch of closers that round. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I'm definitely not at paying that. You're price. not in him for that, eh? Like he's yeah. been really good. Like the three years with the Padres: 318, 293, 305. The whips: 108, 108, 114. Like he's been really good with them. Yeah, I know. He just he just missed the last half of last season. Yeah, and it's a shoulder. Yeah, just- I know. So. So you're right. So I'm kind of probably in my mind, I'm probably docking him around or two until I see a good spring start or two. Yeah. But so. then I probably, if I see those, I'll probably put them back up. So I'll be the amateur and just say, I'm really worried. Um, okay. uh, we'll move on. Walker Bueller going to face hitters tomorrow. Um, how many innings will he throw is the question you asked me. I'm going to ask, I'm going to make you answer your own question on this one. How many innings do you have? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Cause I was really helping you thinking you'd help me out with my draft yeah. prep. By Sorry. Telling me. I, 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 I have about 135 right now. I'm trying to see how many do I have them for. Um, but uh, let's, let's see here. Walker Bueller. I, I know I, I put that. I mean, cause he's, we know he, the problem is we know he's not pitching until May. Um, so you're already yeah. taking a month out of I've got him for 126. Yeah. So 130, 135 feels a little aggressive, but at the same time, we never put in, if you depend how you're doing your SGPs, we don't usually really put in replacement level value. So mm-hmm. sometimes I don't mind being a little high because obviously during April, he's going to sit on my bench kind of annoying, but I'm going to be able to use someone else in his roster spot for the entirety of April. It's not like I'm not going to get screwed over where he's in my lineup and he's not pitching and then he'll be back and then hopefully he'll be helpful. It's also a matter of what kind of ratios do you project for him? Like how, how effective is he? But yeah, what do you have him? What do you, what ratios do you have for him? So right now I have a 3.6 ERA and a 1.17 whip. 
I so I am the outlier here because I know that like Ariel for ATC's got him at 394, 120. I've got him at three in 110. Three is three strikes me as overly optimistic, and I might adjust accordingly after the pod today. But I mean, just to you know, to 2021, he had a 247 and a 097. Yep. I mean, yep. that that that's and that's the most innings he had on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I the thing is, like in a 10 team league, I'm definitely taking him because I can write it out with the replacement yep. level pitchers a lot yep. better. I can just stash them, even if it's a no. If it's a no IR league, it's a little tougher, but even then I'm, I'm writing it out because the upside's so high. Uh, and a 15 team leaguer, I'm probably downgrading him more because it's just replacement value is just not as good. And you say we're, you know, we're not including replacement value. Sometimes that's bad replacement value. Yeah. Well, it might end up being, well, with this current starting pitcher market, I think replacement value for him in April for me might just be a good middle reliever. And I just take the, three strikeouts, four strikeouts, sure. four strikeouts a week or whatever, three innings a week. And, uh, but whatever that for four or five weeks is, is something it's mm-hmm. not nothing. Maybe you get one win probably out of that or something, but it's not nothing. But the question on Bueller. Yeah. Like you said, like the innings is part of the question. The question is like when he comes back, he has a career 3.02 ERA. Like how close is he to that right away? Right. I've tacked on basically half a run onto yeah. that. And then therefore also tacked on a bit of a whip, just saying that, you know, he's not going to be maybe that's probably the smart play. That's, that's probably the, the wise play. And that's why I probably will adjust Bueller down a little bit. Do you but know where count- do you have him in your starters? Is, I don't know if you have that quickly in front of you, but is he like, I think I have him around 43rd or so 44th or something like that among my starting pitchers. Uh, let me tell you, I'm pulling it up right now, but um, so like a low end three high end four, I've got him in the thirties, like 35 ish. Okay. So yeah, so like a, yeah but like I might, after my adjustment, that's going to go down a little bit, but still, yeah. uh, and the, the thing is his ratios are going to probably be higher, but he's going to, he's also like going to have like the best run support in the league too. Mm-hmm. So. And, and his ratios, they may not be higher. Like I'm being a little cautious and saying they will be higher. Yeah. There is also a scenario where he comes back and he's not that effective right away in his race is he race four. So yeah. like there's that too, but, but if you're going to bet on someone, right, the Dodgers are right up there with the Rays or something on teams you would bet on to have their pitchers find success. So right, exactly. um, beyond the run support, just like as far as what their actual ratios are. So, yeah. And it's um, not like Bueller was like this guy that's going through like this, oh, he's been terrible. It's no, he's no. just coming back from an injury. You know, it's not just an injury. It's the second Tommy John. So it's he, hard. He, yeah. he. But like you said, he struggled that last season in the 12 starts before he before he went uh, on to the IL. But other than that, in his career, every year was good. That, I was just going to say, that's got to be related to, you know, the struggles Absolutely. with the Absolutely. Injury, sure. Yeah, you can almost, I feel like you can kind of throw it out. Yeah. Pauly yeah. in the chat asked a question that was on our outline. Uh, should we get excited about Chris Sale's two-inning pitch, two innings with four Ks? It was the Pirates, but it was their starting starters for the most part there. Um, how excited are you about what Chris Sale did today? I haven't moved him anywhere yet. Um like as far as on my list, I haven't moved him anywhere yet. My problem with Chris Sale right now is he's on my projections. He's being held in check by his innings. So sure, I've got him at a hundred. This is another one we can talk about projections. So I have him at 140, which would be the most innings he's thrown since 2019. Um, and in 2019, he threw 147. So a little more than 140, but not a lot more. 2018, he threw 158. Like he hasn't thrown 160 since way back in 2017. So I put him at 140, which is kind of saying he's going to stay pretty healthy 
but maybe absorb like a month on the IL or something at some point. Um, the thing is, is we know that's probably not what's going to happen. Like it could, but he could also be 175 or he could be like 70. Sure. You know, I yeah. kind of split the difference. So I put him at 140 with a good strikeout rate with solid ratios. And for me, that puts him, more, he comes in right around like in the, around the 35 range, 30 to 35 range on my rankings. Um, that's been enough for so far in my drafts for me to almost draft him, but not draft him. That seems to be what keeps happening. He gets right up to the top of my queue. And if it's like not my pick, then I don't end up getting him. You know what I mean? Like, sure. yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought I was going to have a bunch of Chris sale, but until I boost that, if I boosted that 140 innings to 155, he would move up several spots, in my rankings in their, there were probably, I would probably end up drafting him, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. I don't know if there's anything in spring training he can do to get me to change the 140 innings. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Well, I've got him at 120, so. Uh, right. So I felt like, I feel like 140 with a good strikeout rate is, is actually fairly aggressive. Yeah. So I just don't know where I can go from there to move him up. And I don't think I can move him. Uh, if you have him at 140, you also can't project a really high win total. Like he, he's on the Braves, he can get some wins, but like even on the Braves, like 140 innings is going to get you like 10 wins, something like that, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um. So 120 and eight is what I've got him at right now. My ratios are 420 and a, a 1.167. So a lot I'm of strikeouts, than, though. I'm actually better than you across the board, and still yeah, haven't. It, drafted it follows. Him. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't drafted him. Like I just, I have him and. I have him like kind of around some guys like Sonny Gray, Michael King. I would take him like right in with that group. I just haven't, that group's been going off the board, like about a round before I'm ready to pick them. I ha if I put him up in the next group, I would totally draft him. But I, I don't think there's anything he can do in spring training to make me either lower that ERA projection to the low threes. I don't think I'm going to do that based on spring training results. And I don't think he can change my innings pitch projection at least not much maybe sure. maybe i'll just want shares of them later and just do it and i think there's but and, you know and there's more room for me to improve them you know and so maybe right. i will uh right. I, th I think and almost certainly i probably will because i'm i'm currently not within a parsec of dra of drafting for you at 120 i think if he's healthy during spring i think you could for yeah. sure push that up and, 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 and i could go to 140 and, and we'd and see what happens go, and you could change you could your ratios are such with him that if he pitches well in the spring, you can improve those ratios. That's my point. Yeah, there's yeah. room to grow. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, Alec Manoa, another terrible outing, oh. losing control. You know, he showed up to camp in better shape this year. And, now, you know, there is some quiet optimism, like the Jays are taking him off the trade market here. They're taking him off the table. Yeah. Today was rough. Awful. I took him in our labor league too, but I didn't take him with like a primary pick. Like I took him kind of right around your last pitcher, your bench spot, like top bench, lat ninth pitcher, somewhere like that. So, um, like a dart throw in the round 20 somethings, I'd be comfortable cutting him. If my plan with him when I took him was just he's not going in my lineup like in April, maybe late April if he was pitching well, but he's not going to my lineup for a few weeks and we'll just see what happens. Um, if he has many more starts like today, like he hit three batters today. Like if he has many more starts yeah. like today, forget about whether he's in my lineup or not in April. He won't be in the Jays lineup in April. No, no. And so, they have the depth. They're, they're prepared for that more this year. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm genuinely concerned. I'm just concerned. Yeah. I'm concerned for him because it seems like, I think the mental game is something that's a, yeah. a real, you know, yeah. a real and powerful thing with him. And, you know, you never like to see somebody struggle in that respect. That's um, right. 
so he was, he was never i was gonna say about manoa like he he was always those first two seasons when he did so well he was not a great bat misser and then and his he was always someone whose era was beating his fit by like a full run or half mm-hmm. a run and, and so he was probably pitching over his skis but pitching even at his skis was like you were still like oh okay well alec manoa is not an ace but he is like a mid threes high threes type pitcher he's fine like he could be a mid rotation really nice mid rotation starter in the majors but yep what's happened is he's just completely lost it. and to see him come out and walk batters and hit batters and all these things in his first spring training game is is i i thought it was actually almost like bizarre well and remember when he got sent down he yep. had wildly varying outings like he had yep. a, an outing like that when his first like they 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 sent him all the way down they gave him the holiday send down yep. uh and his first game back, he was awful, like really awful, like getting cuffed around by rookie level hitters. And yep. then like two starts later, he's dominating triple A. It's like it, it was really bizarre. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to make out of him. And if I don't know what to make out of him, I'm just not going to draft him. I think I'm I might have got there already, but one week too late as far as for my labor team. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, the upside when I looked at him in our, our labor draft and like I said, it was like round 23 or something. And I was like, you know what? A lot of round 23 guys don't stick anyways. Right. At least this is a guy who, who still has a career 332 ERA. Like, like the, the, the upside of him would be going into train spring training is, you know, maybe he figures it out and he's yeah. maybe not 2022 Manoa, but maybe he's, he's pretty good, but, I don't know. Like it didn't take long for me to feel like I'm going to jump right back off that bandwagon. I would not draft him like, like right now in a 32, uh, in a 30 round draft, I guess a 15 team league, I guess I would still, even after that start, I'll still take him. But now it's like round 29, round 30. I think because I lived that experience last year on some of my rosters, Mm -hmm. I'm just, it's, he, I don't feel, but he was so good for me two years ago. I don't feel like he owes me. I'm just like, okay. Thank you for the good times. Let's forget about the bad times and move on. And if he, if he, and good for him, if he uh, recovers, you know, and if he, he rebounds, he, he, he very easily could, it may take him three years or it may take him three starts. I don't know. Um, maybe talk to me again in three weeks. Maybe I'll change my tune, but right now yeah. I'm, I'm out on him. Uh, if he doesn't win that spot in the rotation, do you like Yariel Rodriguez? Do you like Ricky Tiedemann uh, for the spot? Mitch white. Who do you like for that last spot in the, in the Jays rotation? probably Bowden Francis would probably be my pick right now. Not Tiedemann. I think like, I just don't think that's in the cards for him. Like I think he starts the season in the minors. I don't think the, the Jays just aren't desperate for, to promote him. I think he's really good, but put him in the minors. He hasn't thrown a lot of innings. Uh, Rodriguez is the other guy. Rodriguez could totally be the guy, yeah. um, but Bowden Francis, they're using him as a starter in spring training. Okay. Um, quite, like nobody other than Jays fans really noticed what he did last year, but uh, as a reliever, um, 173 RA, 0.83 whip. Those are good. 30, 35 to 8 strikeout to walk. And the Jays, the, the Jays management and the Jays other pitchers uh, really like him. So I'm not saying he like that he's going to be awesome. or like I'm not being like, hey, watch out for Bowden Francis. This guy's, I just, it, it could be Rodriguez. I think there's a good chance it could be Rodriguez. But if it's not, Bowden Francis, like he was a starter. <laughs> pretty much his entire minor league career. He worked out of the bullpen for the Jays because their their starting crew was so remarkably healthy uh, last year that they really just needed to And he was terrible as a starter in, in AAA. He, he was terrible as a starter in AAA. In, tw- in 2022, he was. But if you look at the yeah. rest of his minor league career, um, actually just okay. But last year, he seemed to, to maybe figure some things out. Turns 28 in April. 
too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm not, he's not someone I'm drafting. Right. Um, hey, Tower Wars draft holds 50 rounds. We'll see. Yeah, you might. <laughs> maybe, you might. maybe in the 40s. Pocket around pick, 40 yeah. something. But, but I know he's someone that Jay's, like I said, the other Jay's pitchers have talked about as, you know, he could be our fifth starter if we need him. But Rodriguez probably makes more sense. Rodriguez has been very vocal that he is a starter and wants to be a starter. So oh, nice of him that he's cleared uh like all, like his exam and customs and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah. so now we can see because he's a big he's kind of like a big black box, you know. Yeah. He's Cuban, you know, he pitched in Japan before, but not last year. He didn't pitch anywhere last year. So he's he's a tricky guy to handicap. For sure. Yeah, for sure. 26 years old could go, could be all over the map. Like could, they could start him and there's another, that was the other thought. My other thought on Bowden Francis, I guess, is they could start Rodriguez and Buffalo just to give him a few starts before they throw him, you know, as a major league starter and just kind of let him get, get rolling. Um, but, but we'll see if Rodriguez has a great spring, maybe. But whereas Francis is someone who's like not a big prospect, he's not someone they really have to manage. If he comes out of spring training and he's built up, he's their fifth starter. He tries to throw five innings a few times and see how it goes. All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Very good. You know what? I think we're going to call it at this point here. It's uh 12, 17 uh, in the East coast, which you're Canadian. So it's about midnight your time after accounting for the exchange rate. So, um, <laughs> But uh, hey, thanks everybody for uh, participating in the uh, live stream with us there. Or where, if you listen to the uh, podcast afterward, if you like this podcast, please, and you're watching on Yahoo, uh, Yahoo please uh, hit the like and subscribe button there. It really helps us out a lot. Um, it just it helps us kind of like gather more momentum. Uh, same thing wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, hit that like button, give us reviews, uh, give us feedback, let us know what we we could do for you guys there. Uh, we got good feedback in the chat. Uh, asking for more content on the 10 and 12 league, uh, league format. So we'll try to focus on that a little bit there. So everybody, thank you so much for uh, listening and uh, we'll be back at you again next Tuesday. Thanks to Fantrast for their sponsorship. Have a good day. Take care.